BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 127th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summons and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, returning from the AEW, well, technically not fully related to AEW, but the Jericho Cruise, uh, we have my good friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? Dude, I am doing amazing. I, I would, you know what? I would be doing better if the thirty minutes I had actually recorded discussing uh, the Jericho Cruise for our Social Suplex YouTube channel actually recorded with sound. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, uh, that was the embarrassing moment in tech, and it was like one of those few moments. I will tell everybody it was one of the best vacations ever. I can't rank my vacations because I've been to WrestleMania as I was at the all all in weekend, original all in weekend. These are those were amazing epic weekends. I'm really not gonna compare them against each other. But this is uh this what I have to say should be on every hardcore wrestling fans uh professional wrestling fans bucket list. If you like to have fun and you like wrestling, this should be on your bucket list. I was making the thing that in my mind, going forward, starting in 2023, it's probably going to replace WrestleMania weekend in my mind. And the reason being is I have never been on a cruise, uh, but 
I was on this boat, and you are scheduled and packed with so much stuff. And every person in every room is one of you. You know, every person is like a wrestling fan. They might not like the same wrestler you like. They might, you know, like this person there. But they're all, in general, for what you want. I wasn't much of the rock part of the rock and wrestling, but I do like live music, so I very much enjoyed that. And I'm not going to go on too long, because like I said, I could talk about this for an hour. But I was just going to say, it was a great weekend. Everybody was in a great mood. Uh, Great wrestling, you know. I mean, even with the lineup changes, it was still fun shows and just this relaxed vibe. And then the background is the beautiful blue ocean. You know, it's just I, 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 I did articulate at one point how much I love this trip. But I don't really think I have time to just say it it's just should be on your bucket list as a wrestling fan. If you've done a lot. You know, think about adding this to that same bucket list because, um, yeah, it, it's it's a truly memorable uh, experience that I'll never let go. I finally got to meet Chris Jericho almost 30 years of watching him wrestle. And I'd, you know how many wrestlers I'd met. But other than, like, all out when he was kind of near me when they were wrestling on the outside, I'd never really been close to Jericho. So getting to meet him with my wife, like who has a who's who of wrestlers. She has had taken pictures with four wrestlers. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, and Randy Rhodes. That's her <laughs> list. That's her list. Like right. man, it's a pretty fucking epic list right there. And uh so yeah, we had a good time. Her sister in law came to keep her entertained. It was uh like like I said. I fully expect Austin to be on there in 2023. Uh, yeah, I think that'll be the sixth one. Uh, there's the the fifth one, or, or I think this is the fourth, Four Leaf Culver. The Four Leaf Culver is in March, like March 14, 2022. Ain't no way the champ can make that. Uh, I make my plans like a year in advance. So, uh, yeah, I got too much stuff early next year to make that trip, but I definitely plan on being on the, the fifth one in 2023. Yeah. And I, again, I will always, I will always tell it about cruise liners. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go on one, I know like a lot more, uh, restrictions are starting to be lifted on them now from the CDC when it comes to like safety and like how much screening you have to go through to get them. Like as we eventually get closer to being finally out of this, but um, if you have the opportunity, whether you, whether it's the Jericho Cruise, which I do think you should go on if you're especially a wrestling fan and want to try the cruise, I think that's a perfect way to start things out because it's a mixture of a new thing and something you're very familiar with and that you're in love with. Um, anytime you can get the opportunity to go on a cruise, and I, I would say take it almost every single time because it's so much fun. There's so much shit to do. It's just a great experience. Like I... I will 100% be trying to make the Jericho Cruise. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for the opportunity to be able to go on another one if my family is grateful enough to take me with them if they end up deciding to go on another one because they are so much fun. But I'm glad you had a great time, man. I'm really glad you did. Um, so we want to first off say the reason as to why we did not record last week was because my man Floyd was very tired after that uh, cruise. Dude, I, I had no idea how tired I was going to be. I Honestly... 
I, we got back Monday, and I did the stupid thing. We did drive to Miami, uh, just the comfort reasons. We drove to Miami and drove back, and just at the end, we were just exhausted, and I couldn't, uh, couldn't, I couldn't record. I couldn't talk, so that should tell you how tired I am. Yeah, so that is the reason why we did not record uh, last week, but we are here this week as we come closer and closer and closer to Full Gear, which we'll be talking about very shortly. But we got a lot to talk about with AEW Dynamite back on Wednesday and AEW Rampage that took place on Friday, their little Halloween episode. Um, Before we get into everything, though, make sure you guys continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're also so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We will shout you out, and we will be very appreciative of you if you do that. Easiest way for you guys to support us is on social media. We are on Twitter at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all their other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, of course, the big news of the week is that we have the countdown to full gear as more and more matches are starting to be announced for the pay-per-view, which is looking like it's going to be a fucking banger. Uh, There's a few things that we still don't necessarily know with, like, who is going to be where and, like, what certain wrestlers are going to be doing or, like, exactly who's going to be challenging for certain titles. And, of course, we don't know the finish of the tournaments that will be wrapping up at uh, at uh, Full Gear, although we have a pretty in- good incli- inclination of, like, how it's going to wrap up. But, yeah, Floyd, just, like, as we get into get coming closer and closer to Full Gear, like, as we're getting closer, like, how would you describe, like, the hype for this pay-per-view compared to the previous ones this year? Like, are you liking the way that you're seeing some storylines being built towards Full Gear and, like, what is being done with the championships for this show? Dude, uh, this is my most anticipated show of the year. And, and most anticipated in all time because of Hangman versus Kenny. Uh, I mean, this story has been one of the stories that has been going on since the beginning of AEW. I'm like, do they pull the trigger <coughs> with with Hangman or does uh, he get yet another disappointment? That's going to be amazing. My boys, the greatest luchador tag team in the history of wrestling, FTR, will be uh, wrestling against, uh, you know, a pretty good tag team in the Lucha Bros for their tag team belts. You'll get the finals of the Eliminator Tournament. You got a woman's match coming up. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty hot. You still wondering what CM Punk's gonna do? We'll talk about that a little bit later. You know, it's just. There's a lot to be taken care of. Uh, the five-on-five match. Uh, you can say a lot about the inner circle. They always deliver in these team matches. They're always amazing. Uh, you know, the mind of Chris Jericho and uh, their collective mind of the inner circle with America's top team, that's going to kill. I mean, we might be having Jorge Masvidal. You don't know if he's going to wrestle, but you just got this strong inkling that it's leading up to Jorge Masvidal wrestling at full gear so it let's I mean dude yeah this is highly anticipated I think it might make bright break, break some buy records as far as you know like every hardcore AEW fan's gonna be there and 
you know, with how hot and as much publicity as AEW's getting, yeah, this is a great card. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see how much more gets revealed as time goes on. And we're gonna get into some stuff that we have already been, that were that was announced for from the show. Uh, we'll get right into AEW Dynamite though, since Floyd shared his experiences with the Jericho Cruise, which if you wanna learn more about it, tweet at him. I'm sure he'd love to share more. Uh but we opened up the show for AEW Dynamite on Wednesday, taking place from Boston, Massachusetts. And it was his Dynamite in-ring debut, the first match he had on Dynamite, as opposed to AEW Rampage. It was CM Punk versus the infamous Bobby Fish. Now, last week, uh, Bobby Fish was in a quick match. Uh, I can't remember the name of the opponent because it was a squash match for the most part. Uh, do you remember exactly who he beat? Uh, Floyd? No, I think that, you know, I remember the Moriarty match was actually competitive. I don't remember who yeah, he wrestled. which that wasn't it. Yeah, so yeah. basically Bobby Fish won a match very quickly proceeded to beat the shit out of him after the match, to which Punk came out and actually saved him and started going after Bobby Fish a little bit more, calling him out for being a bully and Punk, as we know, has had histories with people that he feels were bullies so he does not take too kindly to that. So he wanted to get back at Bobby Fish for that. So this was one of the first matches besides the match against um, Darby Allen at Double or no- at a uh, sorry All Out that really kind of intrigued me a little bit more because while I did love the stuff with Daniel Garcia and I did love his stuff um, that he did against uh, it wasn't a, it, yeah against Matt Seidel. Um, this was something that gave me a little bit more intrigue because this was something that I truly didn't think we'd see, which was the same reason which led me to be hyped for the Darby Allen match because, like, this is somebody that Punk, um, like, he's wrestled before, but, like, just not in a really long time. And also, it's a lot more different circumstances into, like, how Bobby Fish has been perceived recently and how Punk has been perceived. And this match was really strong. I know that uh, Punk hit the GTS, kind of slowly crawled over at the end, and Fish did try to kick out, but not in time, so they called the bell, and seemingly, like, they were, like, people were like, was that a botch? But I felt like, I don't know, man. It's like Punk having someone kick out of the GTS that quickly into his tenure didn't make a lot of sense. I think Fish was basically just trying to make it seem like he had a little bit more of a chance to survive, I don't know. I just don't feel like it was supposed to be him kicking out of the GTS like that just because, like, I think they're protecting that as much as they possibly can until Punk is in a massive rivalry where someone does kick out of the GTS. Regardless, though, the match was really strong. I feel like Punk is getting better um, every single time he gets in the ring and getting more and more, like, just used to being in the ring again. Um, I do enjoy the fact that he is now basically making a part of his – a part of his uh his uh repertoire as a wrestler is that he literally just does three body slams in a row i just love how like punk is just in this AEW company that is filled with a lot of flippy shit and a lot of crazy different types of wrestling styles punk is just gonna body slam you three times in a row and he's just gonna laugh while he does it i just think that's really cool but i thought this was a dope opener and um i think bobby fish is great and i think he, he works really well as a heel and yeah, I thought these guys did really well to get together to start it off. I, I, what, I think they, what they were trying to get a pass was that CM Punk was barely better than Bobby Fish. I do think the ending 
was there was supposed to be more. I think that was a, a actual mess up on the referee at that point because CM Punk kind of looked at the referee like, oh, he was ready to go again. And he didn't really kick out of the GTS as in it because of Punk's leg being hurt. It took him a really long time to get to. I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. But. So I'm just like they were selling that is that it took him a long time. So it wasn't like he was kicking out. It was that he wasn't able to take advantage because of his knee. So I, I get that. Uh, I think maybe he would have thrown him in the Anaconda Vice, maybe go for the tap out or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, like, that's just how I saw it. I mean, like, everybody else can see it. It could have 100% been a botch. That's just how I viewed it. But, again, like, right. like it, it seemed weird, I, did, I do think. And, like, it, you're going to lean more so, more so towards the botch because of, like, just what we were expecting. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just, it just, it was weird regardless, though. Absolutely. And, you know, you don't want anyone kicking out of the GTS. That's a big moment. But, you know, Punk is here. We're excited. He's been on the love tour. I kind of want some Punk and something significant now. You know what I mean? And 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 what I will say is that I think that we're going to actively talk about uh, something a little bit more significant coming up later uh, in the show, though. Absolutely. And this is my thought going into it because, you know, they were like, oh, you know, like a lot of people aren't excited. And I'm just like, yeah, because it's like honeymoon period. We had a honeymoon period, lots of ratings, lots of love, CM Punk, Stanley, how cool the fans are, giving away his shoes, let's hug him. Now fight somebody. Fight yeah, somebody. Now we, fight give us a story. Yeah, fight somebody that we think you can lose to. Darby was great. You know, Daniel Garcia is great. You know, Bobby Fish, fine. Now, let's, let's give him some meat. I think the big thing I think the big thing too is how Punk had said so much in interviews about how like in order for him to come back to wrestling first off it would take a shitload of money of course but second like it needed to be something that intri- interested him and again like I think that's the big thing for him is like he's done so much in wrestling and he's covered so many uh grounds and so many things that like it really now is getting to the point where like he's been in AEW for about the coming up on like three months now. So like it's now getting to the point where like, okay, well we're, we're so fucking happy you're here, but you said it yourself. Like you need to do something that seems like it matters. Cause like, we don't want to, we don't, we don't want punk to just come back and just be like playing the hits and stuff like that. And just be just, you know, like a like a like a nostalgia act, and like I don't think Punk wanted would want that either, and I don't think that's what's going to happen. But it's just the issue is just like now we're reaching to the point where it's like okay, we need a story, we need a feud, we need something that's going to carry over into multiple weeks of television and multiple months of television, not just be teased one week, be the blow off the next week, and then we move on to the next thing because. It's just not punk. Punk deserves better than just that for his massive return, and I think he's going to get that. It's just it, we're we're still living in that honeymoon period, but I think we're nearly out of it, though. I will say, and I think that is going to be the point where people are going to really be like, "There's there's old school CM Punk," which 
I mean, he never left, but again, like punk is punk, but I think we're just, we're getting so close to that actual like blood feud that I think fans are going to be dying to see. Absolutely. And I'm very excited for it. I I just want to, you know, I want to say that, but it's just like, I'm trying, you know, as, as I've been gone a while, trying to give my thoughts as it comes. Cause like I said, something happens later, but we're going to address it when we get there. Exactly. And Punk has even said on an interview that's been going around a lot, like about if he went back to WWE, he was like, what would I do? Like there's a formula and I was bored of that shit 10 years ago. So he's already talking about like the whole like formulaic stuff that happens in wrestling if he was to come back. And obviously something is coming down the line for Punk with his career. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so excited and happy to be there because otherwise he'd be doing it'd be the same shit if, if he went to WWE just with different people. So. There's obviously something that's to look forward to with Punk on the Horizon, and I think we're going to get to one of those things very shortly. But we'll move quickly on to the next match, which was MJF facing off against Bryce Donovan. Now, of course, this comes after the fact that uh, MJF has been constantly talking about how Darby Allen is scared of him, and he he squashed Bryce Donovan, pinned him with one finger after hitting the heat seeker pile driver and, uh, was an absolute dick and talked about how on September 29th, you made a mistake and interrupted me when I said I deserve to be world champion, which is true. You threw the gauntlet down and now you're too scared to even show up for work. I knocked out sting. And now that Darby's out of the way, no one's going to stop me from being world champion. Sting's music plays. And then he starts being scared, and then MJF starts laughing afterwards after he pretends to be scared, being like, ha, 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 I got you, you're so stupid. Uh, and Sean Spears is in the ring, too, with uh, uh, as the Pinnacle member with him, just hanging out with him in, this, uh, in the ring. And uh, the lights turn off again. MJF goes, all right, very funny, Spears. And he's like, that wasn't me. And as soon as the lights come back on, Sting is in the ring, he hits Wardlow, MJF retreats, and we see a man in the crowd as MJF is by the barricade in a freaking ridiculous, just, like, what the teenage, basically what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wore in the old 80s cartoons to, like, hide their identities, those jackets. That's what MJF, oh, that's what Darby Allen's wearing in the crowd as he proceeds to jump MJF from the crowd, get his skateboard full of thumbtacks, and chase out Sean Spears, Wardlow, and MJF. And Darby Allen just says straight up, full gear. And we're, we have MJF versus Darby Allen moving towards full gear. Yes. Yes, I'm super excited. Uh, ever since Darby Allen was attacked, unfortunately, by people that Excalibur keeps claiming was uh, the pinnacle. I, again, I, I I am taken aback by that accusation. Okay. Uh, but uh, good old MJF has been showing up to work like he's supposed to and challenging Darby Allen. And Darby Allen has been on his vacation resting. And in this case, it finally came up. And you know what he had to do? Sneak attack MJF. I understand. I understand. Yes. Uh, when you, he had to sneak attack him, dressing up in costumes, little light tricks, so he can try to get MJF. I get it. I get it. You know, Darby, you know, if you're scared, just say you're scared. It's okay. It's okay. We've all been scared. 
MJF's just going to beat you up at full gear. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there to watch it live. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man. It's, it was it was brilliant done. You know, they keep staying in the spotlight. You know, <laughs> it's it's great. It's great. And it's just one day MJF's going to let the chairman loose, and it'll be the end of Sting. But right now, we're just focused on field gear, the pinnacle, handling business, big matches all through the card, because that's how the pinnacle do. I'm excited. Yeah. Well... <laughs> We'll move on from that, I guess. <laughs> we had a backstage interview with the AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, where Tony Schiavone informed her that Tony Khan signed a no-DQ match for Britt Baker on this Friday's r- Rampage versus Abaddon. And this was intriguing because we hadn't seen much of Abaddon on television for AEW in a while, and it was booked as like a Halloween sort of match. So I was... Very intrigued to see how this was going to go down. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't really know exactly what to expect fully. And my expectations weren't necessarily, like, massively high. But I was intrigued to see what an ODQ match between Britt and Abaddon would be like. Because we know Britt is the the queen of hardcore, as she showcased. So I I was interested to see how this would turn out on Rampage. Yes, I was very excited about this match. I'm a huge fan of Abaddon and what she does. Uh, I know some people are just like, oh, just get in the ring and wrestle. But, I, you know, me growing up, basically 80s, 90s, there was always characters. If it wasn't... Uh, if it, if it wasn't the missing link or Abdullah the Butch, Butcher or, you know, early 90s, it started with the Undertaker and the Great Muda and all these people that had these mystical powers. I'm like, I don't think Abaddon's a stretch from any, any of those. And she's entertaining. And as I found out from Twitter and on the boat, there is a crazy, uh, like, intersection of horror fans and wrestling fans. Like, crazy amount. I'm one of them. Yeah, that are diehard wrestling fans and diehard horror fans. So having a little horror in your wrestling show almost seems like that makes sense because of how much it crosses. You know, look at how over the Fiend character was. I mean, their biggest mistake is putting the title on them. But when Alexa Bliss did her thing, you know, and it's just like Abaddon's completely not that. She's completely like she's like different. But it like I said, because of the horror aspect of it, it's cool. I know some people, you know, they throw their hands up at it, but I know some people that throw their hands up at Bobby Fish. You know, they don't like just the really good wrestler thing. So it's just like you you try to you try to uh you know appeal to as many people as pop- possible. Yeah. Now we move over to the TNT title match between Sammy Guevara and All Ego Ethan Page and if Sammy wins, not only does he retain the TNT championship, but the Inner Circle does get their 10-man tag match at Full Gear against American Top Team. And if he loses, not only does he lose the TNT title, he must leave the Inner Circle and everybody was banned from ringside, Inner Circle, and American Top Team. And this was just really freaking good. Like, you got a great babyface champion against a despicable heel like Ethan Page. This was very classic storytelling mixed in with modern types of wrestling, and it was really freaking good. We also had a small little appearance of the premier athlete, Tony Nese, 
at ringside, who is the hottest, one of the hottest free agents. Really enjoyed this match. Sammy counter, countering the Avalanche e- Eagles edge, proceeding to uh, counter it, get a shooting star press to win the match was really freaking cool. Scorpio Sky immediately then proceeded to come down and beat up Sammy after the match. Jericho and the Inner Circle come out and help Sammy. Scorpio and Ethan back up. Jericho gets on on a mic and says, like, now we get our five-on-five tag match at full gear. Paige, Sky, American Top Team against the reunited Inner Circle. And now, by virtue of Tony Khan, it's a Minneapolis street fight. So... We let tell Dan Lambert to be at Dynamite next week, so you can tell him uh, which, so he can tell him which members are going to be facing us. So we get to know exactly who will be in that match come next week. Yes, and I am really looking forward to who they're going to announce. You know, we got uh, what's his Junior Dos Santos. That's the guy's name, right? Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. Yeah. So we pretty much know he'll be one of the three, and you know, it's you. You almost gotta think it's gonna be Jorge Masvidal, and as as a kind of because the inner circle gets to pick the three members of top team. I'm calling it here. I think the fifth member is gonna be Dan Lambert. Really? Yeah, because Chris Jericho gets to pick. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does get to pick, yeah. Yeah. They're going to pick the dipshit. Yeah. They're going to pick... (laughs) They're going to pick... I mean, they'd be kind of dumb not to do it. Jorge's been kneeing him in the face. You can say Hager wants another piece of Jorge DeSantos. And then, who's the guy they hate the most? The yeah, shit. it would be Dan. It Dan be Lambert. Dan. I, I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, he's not really a wrestler, but I think, you know, being involved in that match would be kind of a dream for, for him. And I hope, you know, it's cool. Sometimes you just want to see people have fun in wrestling. I'd, re- Of course, I'd rather them, you know, pick a wrestler, but it's just like everything sure. in my head of how it's going, it just seems like it's headed to them picking Dan Lambert. Yeah, and again, like, it's a five-on-five tag and, match. And, and Most of those are supposed to be kind of fun as opposed to, like, be work-heavy. Yeah, and it's going to be a plunder match, right? So, yeah. So, the street fight. Yeah, so, street fight. So. Yeah, yeah. So, it's not like he has to go in there and throw, arm, or, you know, arm drags and headlocks or anything, which I'm pretty sure he could do. He owns an MMA company, MMA training facility. Pretty sure Dan Lambert could probably handle himself. You sure. know, <laughs> you know, he could tap me out. You know, <laughs> you know. So, and like he, he, you can't own that and not know anything. So it'd be kind of cool. You know, him being the uh, the chicken shit heel in the street fight, taking advantage only when his people, you know, get uh, get them an advantage in the match. So yeah, that's kind of how I see it playing out. Just throwing shit out there, you know. Yeah. And then we moved on to a couple backstage stuff where we had Tony Schiavone be interviewing Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston, who would be going one-on-one on Rampage in the AEW uh, World Championship ta- uh, tournament uh, to determine the number one ta- uh, contender uh, that would be crowned at Full Gear, who will face either Kenny Omega or Hangman Adam Page. And Kingston, we got mad and was saying, like, don't tell me about hard work until you've walked a mile in my shoes and then walked away. Brian immediately responded after he left being like, that's what I want to see. I want to see Eddie Kingston like this. And 
I've been through those tough times too. And I'm not saying you're not a hard worker because John Moxley and him are two of the toughest professional wrestlers he's ever met. But I'm going to go out there and prove I'm the best. And I don't care if you're going to listen or not, but I'm going to beat you. So, yeah, I this was one of the matches I was incredibly hyped for this week, this week uh, with AEW. And just getting to see a quick little promo of it made me excited. And, yeah, I was very excited to see these two go at it out in Rampage. There's this thing called talking them into the building. Dude. Dude. That's, that's a way to do it. That's how you do it. If this shit wasn't recorded on Wednesday night, I would have found a way to be there on Friday. If you know, right? They, I mean, God, Eddie Kingston's just so good. Uh, there, there is an interview he did out there, and he posted a link, and he talks about his daily battle with depression and what it takes to get through the day. And I just root for this man so much. I just love. Oh my god! I love Eddie Kingston so much. It's ridiculous, and and you know, and every time he cuts a promo, he's just so good. And Daniel, Daniel, Brian Danielson comes back and matches his intensity right after him. Just masterclass in promos. It's like they, you can tell they didn't know what each other was gonna say, but they bounced off of it. Real people cutting real promos that you can identify with. God, I love wrestling. Yeah, and I'm so happy that Eddie is getting this spot with Brian Danielson. I was so happy. We then had the AEW Tag Team Champions, the Lucha Bros, announce that at full gear they would be facing FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championships on November 13th at full gear. So your boys are looking to take another pair of belts off of the Lucha Bros. I mean, looking to, definitely going to happen. You know, come see, come saw. I was there at full gear to watch them and lose a match where they literally uh, gave themselves to the point where they passed out after the match because it was so hot in the ring. They get to tell a story with the Lucha Bros inside an air-conditioned building. (laughs) If they could put on a five-star classic, almost dying with 120 degrees in the ring what are they gonna do when they actually get to be at you know actual standards actual comfort seven and a half star match coming towards you uh yeah no no this will be a great match uh i always say ray phoenix every time he's in the ring does something i've never seen before and i wonder how it happens and pentagon is Amazing wrestling, but one of the most charismatic wrestlers in the industry. And to see them uh, go up against the best tag team in the world, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, my opinion's always humble, FTR, the living legends, you know, I am so excited that I get to be there for it and that this match is happening in general. Even if I was at home watching it on TV, I would be very much excited for this match. Because it's just uh, when, uh, just when I I said it a couple years ago, before you know, three years ago before AEW started, if you would have asked me my four favorite tag teams in wrestling, Lucha Bros, FTR, Santana and Ortiz, and the Young Bucks, it wouldn't have been close. And I've getting to, and this will be the last of the three. That I get to see live. I would have seen them wrestle the Young Bucks live. I would have seen them wrestle Santana and Ortiz live in Chicago. And now I get to see them watch the Lucha Bros live. This is like 
me living a dream that I didn't think I was ever going to see. Yeah, honestly, that's it. We then get to a first-round match in the TABS Women's World Title Tournament. Serena Deeb, the woman of a thousand holds, facing off against Hikaru Shida in a rematch after Serena Deeb prevented Hikaru Shida from getting her 50th win in AEW and then proceeded to beat the crap out of her with that 50th win little plaque and turned heel on Hikaru Shida. So we got the rematch after that match, which was really good, honestly, the the first match that happened. But now with not only Hikaru Shida going towards uh, getting her 50th win again against Serena D, but also with the TBS tournament going on at the same time, this match had a lot more stakes to it, and this match killed. This was such a good match. Serena Deeb constantly just working down uh, her knees and just really proceeding to just work on the legs of, of Hikaru Shida. Serena, uh, Hikaru Shida was really fighting hard to break uh, free and get a win over Serena Deeb, finally get that 50th win. Um, it ended up with a nice roll-up to get the win. She becomes the first female AEW female to have 50 wins in the company. Serena Deeb then proceeded to chop block Sheeta after the match, took a chair and beat up Sheeta afterwards until referees had to come through and stop her. So then the question was, how far is Sheeta going to be able to go? Did Serena Deeb just inadvert, just basically take Sheeta out of the tournament because of this brutal attack? Uh, this was a hell of a match. I really love how Serena Deeb is being portrayed now. She's just so good, and I'm so glad she's here because now I think genuinely she could be such a great champion to uh, uh, somebody to chase for a championship as a heel to somebody who's a babyface. So I, whoever wins this tournament uh, for the TBS World Title uh, Women's Title. I want Serena Deeb to be one of the first people to go after it just because I think she can give you such a great series of matches and little segments because of how good she is at playing a heel and how just you can get a great match out of her like every single week. Like she's just so good. So this this was probably my favorite part of the show, honestly. So, I you know, you I say a lot of crap. You know, I talk stuff about FTR and the Pinnacle and it's ridiculous. We all know it. This is, you know, I, I do it for fun. But when I say this, I 100% mean this. I could literally watch Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb wrestle every day. This is what I would compare to, like, it's like, they're so, I wouldn't say it's on that level, but I get inklings, inklings of Trish Lita. Just a little bit out of this, just because of how good these two seem to work against each other every single week. Yes, and you know, you know they're, they'll build up the anger through it, but good Lord, the technical skill. They have so much chemistry. They're always where they were supposed to be. Serena D makes everything look so violent and vicious, and she's aiming to a point to get that lock on, and, and she was killing her, and Shikita, uh, Shida's just reply you know surviving a lot of times and then, yeah and then hitting her hard and and uh, serena deep is just ready for it and it's just such a great story it's just like like i wouldn't i wouldn't call either one of these women my favorite wrestler in aew but they're my favorite matchup in aew 
Right, Sheeta, right now, I, I would and, honestly say I would honestly say Sheeta and Deeb are two of my favorite women wrestlers in the company. Like I would say, just in front of them, maybe would be like Britt's up there. But like I love Britt, but like I just have a thing. I really love Serena Deeb, and I'm glad that she's here because I'm a punk guy, and he she was in the Straight Edge Society, and Sheeta, I was a hundred percent behind her for her title reign when some people were kind of like calling it iffy and stuff like that she she genuinely held that division on her back uh during the pandemic and like it was seriously outstanding how well she did despite the circumstances um like i i'm trying to think like i love tay conti and i think she's great too and i think she's got a great future as well and like i really it just comes back to serena deeb and hikaru shida honestly like just like maybe recency bias but like i just love these two i think they're great well my favorite of course and this is not to take anything away from these two amazing wrestlers that i literally said i could watch every day it's of course the person that follows me on twitter miss thunder rosa well, she was that 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 might beat it too, honestly. Thunder no, Rosa is I I see now I'm just thinking of a three way match between these three. <laughs> yeah, no. Thunder Rosa was my girl. Shit. She was my favorite before she followed me on Twitter. But honestly, when I saw I got that notification that she followed me, yeah, I, I marked out like a lot. <laughs> Cause I was like, it wasn't like I had like tagged her in anything. It was just like, oh, this dude seems cool. I'm gonna follow him. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but no, that's awesome. And um, like, like I said, these two just have this chemistry. It, re- it reminds me of, of course, she. Re- I mean, her name. she's the woman of a thousand holds. She reminds me of Dean Malenko in that cruiserweight division in the late 90s, working with Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrera. And he, he'd be the base for them a lot of the times. they do the flying and he'd be the base. But he was so technically sound. And that's what I see in Serena Deeb. Always going for the submission, always working towards the end. The match can end, end at any time because she's always working towards that move. And then Sheeta, the baby face, the fiery baby face, works perfectly in this role as someone that, you know, can hang with her and, you know, can be a step. In this match, she was just, you know, still close, just one step ahead of her for the 50th win. It's a great storyline that's not really involving the title right now, and I love that because I, I think the women's division needs more of that. You know, you look you look at it and you see MJF and Darby, right? And you see these different rivalries in the men's division that happen that have nothing to do with the title, the women's division needs more of that. Yeah, 100%. I think with the addedness of the TBS title, we're going to see a lot more women's uh, storylines going on on television a lot more, too. So, We then had a backstage segment with Leo Rush and Dante Martin basically saying because Mike Seidel was injured, instead of a tag match, it's going to be Dante Martin against Matt Seidel instead of Leo teaming with uh, – Dante Martin in a match, so we just got a little update on that. We had a men's world title eliminator tournament match uh, between John Moxley and Preston Vance, uh, Dark Orders 10, where Moxley, who has done this a couple weeks in a row, has come in, beat the shit out of people, like, viciously, too. Like, Dark Preston Vance got busted open in this match, like, heavily, and his mask got torn up as well. Eventually, Preston fought a little bit, but then Mox hit the paradigm shift, finished him off, got the win. 
bolted out of the building as fast as he could as Dark Order's 10 was just completely bloodied. Um, first off, hope he's okay. I don't remember exactly if that was hard way uh, or what exactly busted him open. Hope he's okay. But Moxley is fighting with a purpose, how he wants to get that title back, and he's leaning a little heelish. But I know Moxley is like just a vicious dude in general, so it's not even like necessarily a heel thing that what he's doing. He's just a vicious, like crazy guy. But regardless, he's being very vicious, and he is trying to get into this tournament and win it with a purpose. He's got a chip on his shoulder. All these new guys, the CM Punks, the and Brian Danielsons, all of them are keep getting pushed in front of Mox. And who's the first like legit name to cross over? Really cross yep. over? It was yep. Mox, and the company was kind of built around him for a while. But now it's like, oh, we don't forgot about Mox, and it's pissing him off. And you know what? 10 was just in the way. It wasn't personal. It could have been anybody. It could have been it, it, it could have been a referee. It could have been MJF. It could have been uh Dustin Rhodes. It didn't matter who was across from him that day. Mox was going through him and going to the next round. Unfortunately, it was 10. 10 was the victim that day. Yep. But we then we then we get to the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Now, last week, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But last week in Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes 3, Malachi Black finally ended up losing to Cody. The record's now 2-1, just so people know. But Cody finally gets a win against Malachi Black, finally is able to get over it, and he proceeds to come out the next week. And now we're kind of wondering exactly what the move is for Cody now because the way things were moving. I the I, I, to, I don't know if I told Floyd this, but the best thing I heard about what was happening with Cody and what people were describing it as was he was going full Anakin, which makes so much fucking sense in hindsight. But we were wondering exactly what the plan was now that Cody had beat Malachi at least once. So Cody came out this week on Dynamite with Arn Anderson, and he cut a promo in front of the crowd, and he goes... Whether you believe it or not, and we're going to get into all this because Cody's promo was really freaking good. So we're going to get into a little bit of all of it. So I just want to let you know I'm going to basically kind of proof read most of this promo just so you guys know. He says, whether you believe it or not, I hear you. I hear you online. I hear old wrestling managers shouting at the clouds on social media. Cornet! Sorry. And I heard you this Saturday I had one of the best wrestlers in the world, Malachi Black. I hit a Tiger Driver 98, but for a brief glimmer, I thought about hitting a different move. And pedigree that, for everyone that doesn't. That uh, yes, because the the Tiger 98, Tiger Driver 98 is the same double hook like set, uh, starting position. And he teased it right there, and he said, "What if I did hit it? Would I have popped up? Would I have broken a rule?" You know why I didn't do that? Why I didn't go down this road? Because that would have been the easy way out. And I feel like as a fan, you have the right to cheer or boo. But if you're going to acknowledge the man who signs the checks, please acknowledge the man who built this bank. Fucking great line there. But he goes, the easy way out is not the way I will go. I will not turn. 
And the reason is simple is because I love you guys. I've loved you my entire life. If anybody thought maybe I got a little Hollywood, I apologize to all of you and those in the Nightmare family. Arn, if I never told you, let me tell you right now, it is a damn honor to stand in the ring with you. I apologize. You were right. Now that's when Andrade El Idolo comes out. And he goes like, Cody, these people don't like you. The people don't like me. But the difference is I don't like them. You've made stupid choices. First was the tattoo. Second was that you got in my business. I am Andrade El Idolo. But if you want, I can make you my little bitch. Lights go out. Lights come back on. Malachi Black once again in the ring sprays Black Mist at Cody Rhodes. Black and Andrade begin to double-team Arn Anderson. Then Pac comes out to even the odds as Pac proceeds to sit cross-legged like Andrade, flip the double bird at Malachi Black and and Andrade. So, like, yeah, he's sitting cross-legged like Malachi, flipping off both Andrade and Malachi. And that was... That was the finish of that. So, Floyd, the Cody man that we have on this podcast, thoughts on the promo and seemingly we're going to get a tag match between Andrade and Malachi versus Pac and Cody. The more he says he's not going to turn heel, the more I'm looking forward to the heel turn. That's what I'm saying, man. I and uh, I'm going to I'm going to put my cards on the table. I thought this was a master promo. Uh, even some of the fans, if you heard it, Loud booze. It was like 80 20 boo cheers to booze. 80, I mean, uh, booze to yeah, cheers. Yeah, to start. Yeah. And then it was about 60 40 towards the end. He kind of turned them a little bit, you know, because it's the cool thing to boo Cody right now. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's not that people actually hate him. I really don't think so. I think it's the cool thing to boo Cody. Do it. Do it. And this promo made you question why you're booing Cody. Because he's Man. like, I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy that used to cut the rah-rah promos. And I'm the same guy that put the hammer to the, uh, you know, hit the hammer to the throne that you loved. And, you know, I'm the same guy that did all this shit you loved. Why do you hate me now? Uh, I don't know. So, no, no, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to break it out to you. I think it's a tag match. I think it's full gear or rampage before. I think it's Cody and Pac, and I think they're tagging, tagging, and then Pac tags Cody in, and wham, right in Pac's face. And I think Cody joins Black and Andrade. That's how and I see it. That is Pac, that is uh, Cody killing the younglings, which yes. is what that is. Yes, but and I mean, mean, again, and then going forward, it would set up Cody with his crew versus. Uh, the Death Triangle, because Pac already has his two friends, so it kind of works going forward. Yeah, and honestly, it's like Cody again, like what, like what you said of how like it was majority, like massive majority booze until like Cody started actively getting into that promo. Cody just has a true understanding of the audience of AEW. That's why so many people were like so confused as to why. Cody was being presented in this way and like like people saying that Cody's lost touch of the fans, people saying that like Cody isn't the same guy that he was in Ring of Honor that like really kind of understood how the role that he was playing or people saying he went Hollywood or saying that he's like lost touch with what he was supposed to be doing in AEW. Like Cody 
he like he said he listens and he knows what's going on and he can he can read the room like and he's showing that right now like planting that seed planting that seed he's he said years ago i will not challenge for the AEW world title and he's saying now i won't turn both of those things i see will be broken very shortly now and now now again i've kept saying this I've kept saying it. I could write the pro Cody's promo for him. I didn't turn. You guys turned on me. It is simple. It is a simple promo and powerful promo that he can yeah. break down everything he's done for AEW and what every, you know. He that, said it. He yeah, built yeah, the yeah. bank, basically, that is yeah, AEW. Yeah. Yes, he did this. The reason Andrade and Black felt comfortable how comfortable to sign with AEW is because of what the Bucks, Cody, and Kenny built. You know, this Shangri-La where wrestlers get to, you know, be involved in matches and, you know, give their input and tell their story. Oh, he built this. And they came. They came. And then the fans turned. The fans yeah. turn. Oh, Cody's too over the top. When has Cody not been over the top? Cody's on TV too much with Randy. When has that has how has that changed from the beginning? Cody is just too much Cody, and I'm just like, well, his name's kind of on the building. It's called the All Elite, and he was in the Elite when they signed up. He was part of the All Elite. So yeah, his name's kind of on the building. So. You didn't I mean, his face is literally on the front of the all-in poster yeah, that yes. started this whole thing. Yes. So if you didn't think that you were going to see a whole lot of Cody, I, I don't know what you were expecting. And during a time where they, you know, they were struggling for programming, who did they put on TV every week to defend the title and make that TNT title matter? Cody. And it's just like, man, it's, it's like... He's starting to listen. Brandy's been saying it on Twitter forever. She's been like, "Fuck him." <laughs> yeah, Brandy don't give a fuck. Uh, Brandy's Brand- from Brandy's from the mean streets of Detroit, folks. It's y'all, okay. ain't gonna, it, y'all ain't gonna fuck with with Brandy. Yeah, it's okay if you don't like Brandy because she doesn't like you either. <laughs> so it's that's okay. So it, it's awesome. I love seeing where it's coming. I love going. I hope I'm completely wrong and they go a different way. I just. It's. I'm very excited, as and this is the first time. Because believe me, if anyone says I don't say anything bad about AEW, how did I feel about Cody's booking for the first seven, eight months of this year? You fucking hated it, and I buried it every time on this show. So please believe, I do think AEW could do wrong, and they have finally got me to a point. Where I'm actually excited to see where Cody is going, what's about to happen with Cody going forward. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. So please believe. If you listen to the show and he's like, oh, it's just hugs and, you know, we the proclivity for opposites, yes. But, you know, when I don't like something, I'll tell you. I'm going to be 100% honest. I did not like Cody. When everybody else was hating Cody's bookie, I was right there with you hating Cody's bookie. You know, Probably more so than you were. More more so than you were because he's my favorite wrestler, and of course I wanted them booked well. And I felt like they had lost all the momentum 
that they had built with Cody. You know what I mean? He just felt like he was dead in the water. And now he's back. And he matters. And he's on TV every week. He's cutting passionate promos, which is, again, when he was dying, I said, we need a Cody promo. That's the thing we need is a Cody promo to bring him back. And now it felt like we got one. And you felt it, you felt it turning. It's still like 70-30. He's still getting booed. He's still a piece of shit in a lot of people's eyes. But you felt that knob turning just a little bit at the end of that promo. Yep, that's truly it. Now we get into the main event. The Dark Order versus the Elite. Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Boom Boom Colt Cabana, who were dressed up as a myriad of things. We had Uno, who was dressed up as a cowboy. Stu Grayson, who had an incredible Kratos costume. John Silver falling through with Bambi. And uh, I forget, Boom Boom was also, I think Cabana was also a cowboy, I believe. I believe Uh, he was also a cowboy. Cabana was Brandon Cutler. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. My bad. He was Cutler. Yeah, that's right, because he brought out the sprays. I thought there were two Cowboys on the team. It might have been somebody who was backing them up. But they also came out with a horse, too. So Yes. That was a- yes, because that was uh, the horse was obviously Hangman. Yeah, but they faced off against the Elite, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole Bebe, who were the Ghostbusters. And they also were flanked by a freaking Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And that was pretty awesome. And yeah. There, what was this Michael was Nakazawa dressed as? He was Bebe. He was just a Bebe. He was a Bebe. Okay. Yes, he was a Bebe. So there. this was a silly, ridiculous, costume-filled, basically kind of what we got for Halloween on the Jericho Cruise a couple years ago where they were dressed up as like Mario and Luigi and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, this is basically a fun little Halloween uh multi-man match that was a lot of fun it was very chaotic it was very ridiculous at one point uh uh michael nakazawa baby uh splashed onto somebody i don't even remember who but all in all like the best part was when they were uh using their proton packs and stuff like that and they were sandwiching uh, the dark order splashing onto top of them but then eventually the top end of the costume horse is running out and the super elite proceed to hit him with the beat that the top of the horse with the bte trigger it turns out it was brandon cutler not who they thought they were but then if brandon cutler's there we thought he was stay puff the stay puff marshmallow man was hangman adam page and it was an incredible hysterical stupid moment who proceeds to hit the dead eye on matt jackson and then john silver comes out and he pins matt jackson the elite get outsmarted and the dark order gets the win and we build more towards hangman versus kenny yeah, this is ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. And honestly, I'm just so excited for Kenny and Hangman. I'm just so fucking excited. But this was a fun way to end off Dynamite. Dude, ultimate fun. It's what's gonna it's what's going to separate AEW where when you watch AEW and you watch other products, you're gonna say, This is what separates them. This was a five on five match, all dressed in costumes. That by the end of the match, it, it like it mattered. It was fun, but the result mattered because the elite as a group don't lose. They were undefeated in multi-million matches. You can't touch the elite. And finally, finally someone 
was one step ahead of him. It was the hangman, and he was in. Everyone knew it after about halfway through the match. I think everyone figured out it was him. Uh, I, you know, some people were like immediate and then someone were like halfway through the match. I, I think everybody got it at a different point, but everybody got it before it happened and you knew it was him. And then they revealed it and oh my God, that pop. Ew, oh my God, that pop. And his face. <laughs> yes. Even Matt's face. Yes. And the anger and, and, and how, how the referee was positioned, because, of course, he wasn't the legal man. So how the referee was positioned, and then how they got the three, John Silver getting a pin, uh, it was just everything was well thought out. Even someone pointed out, well, you know, they're ghosts, right? And then the, Kenny Omega won't tag Adam Cole. That's right. Yes, he won't tag Adam Cole. He would tag everybody but Adam Cole. Like, they think about everything. This is a throwaway, multi-man, blah, blah, blah match, which on WWE, I'll be honest, I'd probably fast-forward through, or I probably wouldn't have watched the end of the show because I don't really like multi-man matches. I, Same. I, I, I throw that at, I say that because I really want you to understand. I, I hate Multi-man matches. <laughs> I mean, I skipped them all the time. But this one meant something. They do it in a way, in a such entertaining way, that it's not a formula. You know, like everybody hits the big move, blah, blah, blah. It's It doesn't feel as formulaic. Everything might happen in the same formula as every other match, but they do a way to make it exciting, to make it, make it fun, and to make it matter. Then the hangman thing... I'm I'm like literally I'm just as excited at the end of this match as I would be any five star six star match. I was emotionally invested. There was a satisfying result. That's wrestling. It's not, you know, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, it's hard, but it's not hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. But that was the end of AEW Dynamite for this week. A really fun episode with some really good matches on it. Just a nice, really very strong Dynamite, I would say. Um, We'll move really quickly into AEW Rampage from this week. And it opened up with the Men's World World uh, Title Eliminated Tournament. And it was a semifinal matchup between... The American Dragon, Brian Danielson, versus Mad King, Eddie Kingston. The winner would face the victor of John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. And Eddie was also walking to the ring very angry, similar to his friend John Moxley, both of them who have very big chips on their shoulders, I feel like. And god damn, these two beat the shit out of each other. Like, Brian, Brian's chest was just ripped to shreds from the massive amounts of chops that Eddie Kingston was delivering to Brian and these guys like I felt like this was really where Brian could get super physical in a match because Eddie was just screaming at Brian egging him on to hit it keep hitting him harder and Brian and Eddie was returning the favor with some strong chops and some strong uh shots to the face like these two killed it and eventually despite the fact uh Brian Danielson was still able to get the win by putting a triangle sleeper where Eddie Kingston threw up the middle finger to Danielson until he passes out and the ref calls off the match. And yeah, so he moves to the finals and Brian Danielson will face either John Moxley or Orange Cassidy as we move towards 
the second semifinal match, which I believe is on next week. This match was extremely ultra-violent. Uh, Eddie Kingston had the chip on his shoulder because basically he had been told he doesn't work hard. And, you know, because he got a belly. You know, he got a little bit of belly. A little so, bit of a belly. Uh, a little bit of belly. You know, he's like, hey, I like five guys. You know what I mean? And, you know, I've always liked that about Eddie. He's, the, like, one of the realest people out there. And you know what? You'd be really pissed off if... You know, he's put some of the best work of his life together over the last year. And someone, this new guy to come in and say, oh, oh, you don't work hard. Come on, brother. No, you don't know me. And, he's Yeah, he was and, getting a rise out of him, kind of mm, like how he got a rise out of the Miz that one time. Yeah, so he chopped Eddie Kingston, showed him how hard he could work. And this was one of the most violent physical matches. And, and let me tell you, I watched it. And then the show went off, and I immediately watched it again because they like I it wasn't a shoot, of course. But they were fighting each other and hitting each other like it was. And Daniel Bryan, um, for, fortunately, has a body that whelps up and bruises really well, so it adds so much to the story of the match. Like it's so funny, you know. There's people out there that bruise easily, and it's like, man, wrestling might be the thing for you because it's going to make all your latches look so much more violent because by the end of this match, it looked like Brian Danielson had went through a war, and he just pulled it out in the end, and he you know, choked out Eddie Kingston, and Eddie Kingston's immediately pissed off because he didn't tap, and you shouldn't have stopped the bell because he didn't tap. It's such an unrational, it's such an irrational, unlogical way of thinking that it just fits Eddie Kingston's character so well. Yeah, it really does. And then, and then, backstage interview with CM Punk as while the interview is going on, you can hear Eddie shouting in the background, screaming he didn't tap, cursing up a storm. He gets in the face of CM Punk, calls him out. He's screaming like, I know you. And Punk going after him, Calls him a son of a bitch, I think, at one point. Says, do you want to go to sleep again? I saw what happened out there. And Punk and Kingston going head-to-head. Dude, like, how much money do I got to pay to see this shit? Like, a thousand times over. This, this shit right here is the, fir- is the first big, big match feel I'm getting since Punk's first match against Darby. Everything else has been great. And it's been fun to watch, and it's been like just great to see Punk get in the ring with these people that we haven't seen him wrestle before or that we haven't seen him wrestle in a very long time. This right here is a big match feel just from the first face-off because Eddie is such a loudmouth, such a crazy talker, such a crazy striker. I just pray, I pray to every god that I know that they, before we get into full gear, where hopefully this match takes place, put these two in the ring with nobody else and give a microphone to each of them and then just let them go after each other because the promos you will get with CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are going to be the stuff of a legend if you let that shit happen. So let it happen, please. Yes, um... Like, I'm sitting up here, and I usually like, okay, this is what I'm wearing. 
to wrestling. Uh, as much as it seems like I dress like a bum and it's not coordinated, everything I wear, as you know, as uh, uh, Austin will tell you, is coordinated. It's like for the event, I'm wearing this, wearing that. So, you know, I'm going to have my FTR shoes on. And I know that because, you know, FTR is in their match. And I'm like, okay, what shirt am I going to wear? <laughs> am I going to wear the same Punk shirt? Am I going to wear my Eddie Kingston shirt? <laughs> Am I going to wear my Cody shirt? Because it's, there's so much happening on this card that's coming yeah. up. That wear your Hangman shirt? Yeah, yeah. it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to wear? It's a great feeling to have. It's, it's, it, 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 it's very much, you know, first world problems, wrestling problems. I don't even, like, it's not an actual problem. Let's just put it that way. But it's just like, I'm so excited about everything on this card. And Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. And it's like Eddie Kingston is exactly what CM Punk needs. I think Bobby Fish worked into that too. Because Eddie Kingston, I mean, because CM Punk hasn't all the way got his wrestling legs on him, under him, and he's not wrestling five, six times a week, he needs somebody that he's going to have to bring it against. And if you don't bring it against Eddie Kingston every time you're out there, he will eat you the fuck up. I am looking forward to Eddie Kingston versus Punk. So excited. All right, man. I, I mean, just under uh, FTR and Lucha Bros, but right there as far as excitement. Yeah. We then follow this up with another strong match, the third match in the trilogy of Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel matches, with Leo Rush being by Dante's side. Matt was trying to talk some sense into Dante at the beginning of the match, saying, like, you don't need Leo. You're good enough on your own. You don't need this guy who's just honestly trying to make money off of you. Uh, regardless, they get into the match, and as the match goes on, too, and Leo's really starting to build up Dante, like, Dante starts to seemingly buy more into what Leo is selling as uh, the match goes on. These two, with some really great high-flying match uh, matchups and just some really nice uh, back-and-forth stuff, it was a really great match. Eventually, Dante Martin got a double spring springboard moonsault to get the win, and Leo seemingly is what's going to be pushing forward Dante to keep getting better and better and yeah this was re another really good match another different style of match than what we saw previously and these guys did great M Matt is really strong in just like helping wrestlers get over Dante is really showcasing himself a lot so I think he's going to be so good and Leo I think leading him at the helm is going to be an interesting thing to see uh, develop as well Absolutely. Um, this was a great match. Uh, it featured Don, Dante. I can't wait to see Leo and Dante wrestle together as the highest flight instead of top flight. They're going to be called the highest flight. I like it. I like it because it's a direct shot at his brother. Sets up that thing when they get back. But Matt Seidel being replaced as the mentor. Oh, God. This is a pretty interesting storyline. Hopefully it leads to Leo Rush's first match against Matt Seidel. And yeah, but this match is amazing. Uh, how high he can get up in the air uh, <laughs> is still just like shocking. It to me. still doesn't make sense every time I see it. The double moon salt shouldn't like it, like he gets so high you think he's gonna over jump him, and it always is right where he's supposed to be. And of course, Matt Sidell's a pro's pro. He knows what he's doing. So it was a great match. Uh, and I, I love the pivot. I love the pivot from AEW because you lost uh, you lost the match. You lost the person. 
And Mike. You, you, you lost Mike, and then you pivot. So, yeah. Good pivot. Um, And also, too, I will say before we get into the main event of Rampage, too, because we didn't get a chance to talk about this either, um, massive, massive get well soons to um, – I think he should be okay as he heals up in a few weeks, I think. But we had a really big scare when it came to uh, – uh, when it came to Lance Archer, who had went for a uh, moonsault and then proceeded to uh, uh, land directly on his head. And, uh, yeah, it was scary. Um, thankfully, he seems to be okay. They stopped the match pretty much right afterwards with a roll-up, uh, which took place in that match. But I know it was a really scary moment when it happened. But um, I just wanted to say, too, because we talked about how Matt Mike uh, had to be changed on the fly. Um, just really glad that seemingly uh it's nothing massively serious for lance because it, i know it was a massive scare for sure yeah it was uh, yeah it, it, lance seems to be you know he knows what he does for a living and he seems to be very much uh, still upbeat about everything going forward so hopefully you know hopefully it's cool everything's good uh love me some lance archer yeah, we get into the main event, though, of AEW Rampage for this week. The trick-or-treat match between the AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, flanked by Rebel and Jamie Hayter, facing off against Abaddon. No DQ match, and also, if Abaddon won this match, she would get a title match. Now, this match was pretty violent. We got uh, instantaneously, as the match started, uh, Abaddon got a stunner on uh, Britt Baker to start things off. Uh, table was brought out. Abaddon uh, went to uh, slam. Uh, Abaddon's skull got hit into a chair that was propped up into the turnbuckles, which was a nice little move. Uh, there was a swinging netbreaker hit on uh, table, which the table refused to break. And then, um, proceedingly, they tried to suplex through her. The table again didn't happen. And apparently, also, it seemed like Abaddon had her hand sliced because of the table at one point um but eventually too abaddon grabbed tax that got thrown out and then proceedingly the champ got slammed onto tax again and so brit again getting taxed on her like jesus christ jamie Hayter gave a chair to Britt baker at one point and that's when she started to hit a curb stomp on the chair uh to abaddon and she uh proceeds to Try to get the lockjaw on her, but then Abaddon's biting her hand off, which is honestly, you would think, the smartest way to counter that move to begin with. Uh, then Jamie Hayter gets in the ring, uh, a double sledge to a- Abaddon. Rebel gets in the ring, distracts Abaddon. Dr. Britt Baker rolls her up into the thumbtack. Um, this match was, I think, a pretty cool ending. It was crazy, just the shit that they decided to try to pull out on it. Um, and there was the issue of the table, I know, just fucker wouldn't break. It was a Japanese table, what can I tell you? But, uh, yeah, this match was pretty wild of an ending, and I think people started to get into it a little bit more as it was getting towards the end. Um, obviously, if the if the spots, like if the table broke the way that it was supposed to, it would have made it a, a much bigger move. Um, and I know people still aren't necessarily fully behind Abaddon, and I think she's still got a lot of room to work, um, though the way that she portrays herself, like, character-wise, is spot-on. But... This was, I think this was pretty good, though, I think. No, I think this was a great match. I just don't think anyone thought Abaddon could win. And yeah, that does, again, that, yeah. That takes excitement out of the match. I know 
it's wrestling and all that kind of stuff. But it does take excitement out of a match when there's no uh, unpredictability. Because she could get a title shot, maybe there was that outside feeling that it could. The table spot, as much as it's not their fault, it took momentum away from the match. Yeah, It, it, it just came off as very much like, you know, the, all those moments make wrestling like you you can cut your suspension of disbelief so much but when they keep trying to do the same spot over and over it's like it reminds you like right in the middle oh this is really really fake you know what i mean and then it's like it didn't go through the first time i think she needed to move on they just needed to move on to whatever the next spot was um yeah um i thought it was still a really good match the curb stomp and the kick in the face, all good. The, the when Abaddon popped up, that was perfect. Uh, I do think she needs to win on dark and dark elevation a little bit more, just to get her win loss record up a little bit more. And, and she needs to be somebody significant. You know, she hasn't really beat anybody. You know, since like Anna J. You know that first shocking defeat, and then it's been just a lot of. You know, she needs to beat someone significant on the if you're really gonna beat Abaddon, build Abaddon up. I like I said, you know, not really my favorite kind of character, but I, I've seen how much work she's put into her physique and how much her wrestling has improved. You know, as far as being in the right spot, she definitely looks less amateurish than when she first began. You can see that she's putting, you know, time into the gimmick, into the work. So, you know what? I'm always going to root for that. Yeah, I think she gets better every time she goes out there. And, yeah, maybe if they decided to not put in the stipulation of him, her, if she won, she would get a title shot. Maybe there would be a little bit more believability in her having a chance of beating Britt. But, yeah, I think that this was a, de- a pretty good match, and I think Abaddon is improving. Britt's still a great champion. And, yeah, like, shame about the table spot. Uh, they did regain a little bit of momentum with the attack spot, but yeah, this was a decent way to close off Rampage that honestly started off way too fucking good. It was really good at the start with that opening match, but anyways, that was AEW Rampage. I believe we have a little bit of a uh, final review for the end of Roads to the Top from one Tiffany, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, we will be... Uh, Tiffany is, she'll start on doing the YouTube shows next week, but this week we are going to get the final review of Roads to the Top from Tiffany. So here she is, Miss Tiffany. Hey everybody, this is Tiffany from Heart of the Elite, and I am here on behalf of All Things Elite with the final Roads to the Top recap and review for the season finale Hopefully we'll get a season two and three and four because it's been a great show. But until then, all we have left to talk about is one more episode with a lot of notes from it that I'm going to get into right now. We kick off the episode with um, once Libby is home from the hospital and we see Cody FaceTiming his mother, Michelle. And it's just a really, really funny moment where she talks about this holy water from Jordan that she, from the Jordan River that she has from the Holy Land and that she could give baby Liberty a special blessing. And Cody is like, you smuggled holy water from the Holy Land. And Michelle says, everybody does it. And it was just a really, really funny moment. Um, 
So we have, uh, that was just something I had to mention, but the really main thing that I think was the, um, the highlight of the season finale was the return of Brandy and then also Cody's perspective um, after he took his two months off from the match with Malachi Black at homecoming where he was very unsure about kind of literally at a crossroads, you know, full pun intended, um, what he was going to do after the New York City match, you know, when he returned after two months, was he going to take more time off for a while or what? So that was kind of, I think, the main thing about this episode that was really, really important to talk about. Um, a few notes I have to mention is six weeks after being giving uh, having baby Liberty, Brandy was down 35 pounds, looks amazing. So absolute congratulations to Brandy for the hard work. She absolutely just, you know, you, you can't even try to uh, to diminish an accomplishment like that. 35 pounds in six weeks. It's just pure dedication and just discipline. So hats off to Brandy. That's amazing. And she is just, you know, talking about her return with Cody. She wants to be a heel. That's who she is. Cody thinks she should be the baby face, kind of, you know, work her way back up from the bottom, back to the top. And Brandy disagrees. And so that's kind of a conflict there. Um, QT and Cody also kind of talked in a really good conversation um, about how the fans are have been reacting to Cody. And, you know, QT says, you know, you basically Cody, you know, or maybe you're tired from constantly helping everyone else. You have to help yourself, too. And that's just so true because Cody's constantly focusing on everyone else. And, you know, Cody, Cody says he's, he's mentally run ragged from helping everyone. So there's some great footage of Brandy training with QT. She talks about the process of getting back in the ring and how much it hurts and how she talks to QT about coming back and how she wants to be in heel and how Cody disagrees. And she says she's just, she's not the good guy, you know, that's not her. So Cody is back from home after homecoming, a two month, basically just about absence, um, he was gone and off TV and had that time to reflect kind of what Tony Khan told him to, hey, just see how you feel when you get back. Because knowing you after 24, 48 hours, you're going to be ready to get back. You know, it's, you're going to be itching to come back. So, um, you know, Cody was talking about the return match in New York City and, you know, just what a big deal it was. So, you know, um, something that was really important is that I wanted to talk about was when Cody wrestled Malachi Black that first time and basically essentially just let Malachi Black squash him essentially and um, something Malachi Black said to Dustin backstage was your brother just made me and I won't forget it and I think it's really important that Malachi Black recognizes that because people really really do need to credit Cody more for the amount of himself he gives and um, works so hard to establish new stars and make stars in AEW regardless of whether they're brand new or if they were stars elsewhere it's just really really something he has dedicated his entire AEW career to so that's really really important um so yeah you know um Cody Cody is talking about you know basically you know, he he just doesn't really kind of, you know, after that match with Malachi Black, isn't really sure what, what's going to happen and how he's going to feel. So, we you know, when Cody gets to that um, very first match back in New York, um, he kind of had a new perspective, which was really important because, you know, Cody, he's he's tired and he was just needed that time off. And 
you know, Cody says, you know, talks to Brandy. He's really, you know, just emotional about everything before he took that time off and just says he's legitimately tired. He's not sure if he fits into the new AEW. In that two months he was gone, so much changed in terms of Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. So does Cody fit into the new AEW? Um, you know, and he said he didn't know if he has the energy to fix what's going on with his character because it's a lot, a lot of, you know, mentally very tiring. So, the big thing for Brandy with her return, as we all know, Brandy made her return in New York City and she got a massive, massive reaction, a huge pop. It was so awesome. So that was something that I thought was really special because throughout the big thing with Brandy when she wanted, you know, when she was leaving for maternity leave was she did not want to be forgotten. So 25,000 fans sold out Arthur Ashe Stadium huge pop for Brandy's return and she says you know I I wasn't forgotten and that was just really really special so Cody makes his return as we know two months after the big huge basically squash at homecoming and Cody has new perspective being gone and he says he's not ready to hand it over to anyone just yet and he says he could whine and cry or he can show the new talent what they've been doing the last three years, which I absolutely love. A quote from Cody that I really love is, I don't have all the answers as far as the character of Cody Rhodes and what happens. This is a challenge. However, I do know that what we do next will be the best Cody Rhodes that I ever was. I've got a little more to do. So uh, it took some time. Like Kind of like Tony Khan said, just take some time away, see how you feel. But Cody is back and just ready to show those new people, hey, this is what we've done for the last three years. You know, uh, you know, as I've said many times, Cody has set the table so others can eat. And that's where we are now as, um, the, as we wrapped up roads to the top. So a really wonderful show. I really hope we get more and I hope you've enjoyed my recaps throughout the last, you know, six episodes. And, um, it was great being back on all things elite and I look forward to doing more with the show. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tiffany, for that final preview and review of Roads to the Top. We really appreciate having her on to do this little segment for the show. She's always a part of the show every time uh, that we do this. She was one of the things that made this show possible. We really am happy that she did this for us. Where can they find Tiffany, though, on Twitter, Floyd? She is at All Elite Tiffany on Twitter, or you can follow her YouTube page, uh, her YouTube show, which is at Heart of the Elite, also on Twitter. Perfect. Now we can get into our preview for AEW Dynamite and Rampage, which AEW Dynamite will be taking place uh, uh, next week. It'll be in the Cable Dalmer Center in Independence, uh, Missouri. And we have a few matches that were announced for that. We have... Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley, the semifinal match to determine who's going to face Brian Danielson in the finals for the tournament at full gear. We're going to get the match between the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus Andrade El Idolo. We're going to get another round one matchup at the TBS Championship tournament between Dark Orders Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter. Um, we're also going to get John Silver on Rampage facing off against Adam Cole. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's everything that's been announced so far. Yes. Um, you know what the best part about Kansas City is? Your boy's going to be there. Floyd's going to yeah. be there. Yeah, me and Tiffany, live from Tiffany's hometown. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri, Independence, Missouri, all the same thing. It's a suburb. We will be there. And most importantly, we get to see Cody wrestle live. 
right in front of us. Uh, yeah, you know, Cody, we were at All Out, and guess who wasn't on the show? Yeah, Mr. I know. Mr. Like, Mr. Cody. And so it's been a while since we've but, actually yeah. seen a Cody live match. So Wednesday, uh, uh, you know, Wednesday, uh, we were uh, going to be at the show. So I was like very, very excited to see Cody and hoping live. that there be a Cody match. Yeah. 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 So the Cody versus Andrade. I, you know, I'm like, that should be a really, really good match. And we're going to get some interference. We're going to get some arn. We're going to get some everything because we always get that in Cody, man. Let's hope he brings a Glock. Let's hope he brings a Glock. Glock Anderson all day, baby. All right. Well, we don't have any other high headlines or news to go through with this week. Uh, but we want to say thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of All Things Elite because I think that will wrap things up. Once again, continue to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and review if you listen to us on any other platforms like Spotify or whatnot. Give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a donation through Red Circle or you can follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Please check out all their other shows. You won't be disappointed. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And there's nothing else that we have to do. First off, I hope you guys had an amazing Halloween. And, yeah, I will let Floyd take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Hey! Man, I am, like, in the best mood ever, and it has nothing to do with sports or anything. It's just, you know, I, I feel so fortunate to have to had go on the cruise and have all this wrestling coming up in front of us, and we are in my favorite time of the year, the Christmas season. And I, everybody says, no, wait, what about Thanksgiving? In the mind of Floyd, Christmas is the season that extends from November 1st to January 2nd, all the things, Black Friday, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day, all a part of the Christmas season. So no disrespect for Thanksgiving because I am fat. Do you think I want to skip a day where I can eat as much as I want and no one looks at me funny? No, that will never happen in the world of Floyd. So to that, I say enjoy your Christmas season. Say hi to your family. Let go of grudges that you might have had in the past. Tell that friend you haven't talked to in a while that you love them because that's what this season is all about. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. And and I will leave you like I always leave you. Whether it's homework or school, always do your best to be elite.